This episode of the Holly Fueled Nutrition Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. To get 10% off your first month of therapy, visit the link in the show notes, which is betterhelp.com slash hollyfueled. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash H-O-L-L-E-Y-F-U-E-L-E-D. Hi everyone, my name is Holly Samuel and I'm a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and your podcast host today. Today's episode is going to be a little different than the usual episodes. Um, instead of a like a topic or like a race recap, um, I'm going to give you a little life update. And if you read the um, title of this episode, it's probably pretty obvious what the life update is. Um, and that is that I am pregnant. My husband and I are expecting our first child um, sometime in January of 2024. And we're super excited. I've been really excited to record this podcast episode. Um, it's kind of been like on my to-do list for a while. And it feels good to get it all out there and to let other people know what's going on. Um, cause I don't like keeping secrets. I'm not good at it. <laughs> so, um, I want to get into the episode, but first I really want to say that this can be a sensitive topic. Um, if you are just not in a good place or you need to protect your heart, um, from listening to conversations about pregnancy, um, motherhood, if that's a sensitive topic for you, I mean, I, I see you. I want to give you a hug and also know that you don't need to listen to this episode. Now is kind of your chance to exit stage left if you need to protect your heart. Um, and I also definitely want to let people know that, you know, I am pregnant. I'm going to become a mom. And one of my biggest pet peeves when hearing about other like people on the internet, whether it's dietitians, trainers, or just influencers talking about pregnancy is that a lot of them will say, Oh, I'm pregnant, but don't worry. You know, this isn't going to turn into a pregnancy account. And then it, and then it does (laughs) turn into a pregnancy account. That's a big pet peeve of mine. Um, so what I want to say is that I am pregnant. I am going to become a mom. This is going to be more relevant to my life, these topics. So I am probably going to talk about them. Um, so again, if it's not for you, I encourage you just to know that it will come up on my feed. So if you need to mute or unfollow or skip those particular posts or episodes to protect your own heart while you're, you know, working on yourself, please do. Um, I don't want them to just like come out of left field (laughs) as a surprise. Um, that being said, I spent the last several years and thousands of dollars getting my specialist certification in sports dietetics. So I absolutely plan to continue talking about running, sports nutrition, and eating disorders and everything in between. That is still going to be the main flavor of my brand and what I do for a living. Um, It is something I am super passionate about. And I know that a lot of people listening are parents um, or even are moms or are hoping to become moms. Maybe you're currently pregnant um, and this might hit home. So um, I wanted to put that out there. I've been trying to figure out how to best share this information um, just because I know this is a sensitive topic. I know so many people who have gone through infertility struggles or motherhood parenting struggles. Um, It's been a complicated process for them with a lot of emotions. And I know what is talked about on social media can sometimes be really unhelpful um, and cause more anxiety and stress. So my hope is to put my experience out there, things I've learned along the way in the hopes that it makes you feel a little less alone and maybe is more relatable. And also just to let you know what's going on with me because I am the person behind this brand putting out content and information and some of this will affect my direction and ability to do that. And some of it will probably make it even better. So i um, been trying to figure out how to share this information. And I know that just in my pregnancy journey so far, hearing like positive stories, but still realistic <laughs> stories of other people's experiences and things getting talked about that aren't usually talked about and are kind of swept under the rug um, has been really helpful for me not feeling alone or like I'm going crazy Um, as a pregnant person who is newly pregnant. I feel like a lot of what we see on social media and I've been a lot, I've been around so many pregnant people. Like I have tons of cousins who are older than me who have had kids. 
most of my friends are pregnant right now. Um, and I've, you know, had the opportunity to see what it's actually like in real life. Um, but when it's actually happening to you and you're looking at social media, a lot of it just looks like sunshine and rainbows and, and, or complete negativity. Like everything is terrible all the time. And I think a lot of us are probably somewhere in between. So I'm going to do my best to be real with you, um, and share what I feel comfortable sharing and what I've learned so far. Cause as you'll learn about my journey, um, it's been pretty great. I won't lie to you. I've had it pretty easy. Um, but there have been some bumps and some plenty of freakouts. <laughs> so uh, let's get into the episode. So um, this was something my husband and I have been looking forward to for a long time. We've been together um, at the time of this recording for, um, we've been married for six years and together for almost 10 years and known each other actually for even longer than that. Um, so, you know, kind of a natural progression. We always knew we wanted, you know, some kids, um, but it wasn't something that we wanted to do like immediately upon getting married. We, um, were in a place with our house and just feeling settled. And I'm at a place with my private practice, um, where, you know, felt like the right time. Uh, felt like, you know, <laughs> you're never really ready to have kids, but if you were going to be ready, this would be the time. Um, and I knew just again, from knowing a lot of other people who have had kids, um, and being involved in their journeys that you don't always get to plan everything and things don't always go to plan. So, you know, there's not necessarily a direct timeline of want to have kids get pregnant immediately and then have kids. So, um, this is kind of like, the year we talked about that starting to become a thing. Um, at first we were talking about it before the Boston marathon and then my training started going really well. <laughs> so I didn't really want to ruin that. Um, and you know, kind of said, okay, let's do this after the marathon. Um, and to be honest, that was a big piece of what I left out in my Boston 2023 recap episode. Um, was that motivator <laughs> that really helped me leave it all out there on the course. Um, I kept saying, you know what, you might not be back here for a while. Um, you know, you're going to be back here eventually doing your favorite thing and it's going to look a little different, but you know, this is going to be the last marathon for probably a while. So like, don't leave anything, you know, to chance and leave it all out there on the course. Um, so that was a big motivator. I was like, you know, you're doing this for yourself and your future family and you will be back here one day. Um, and I love that Boston does have the like maternity and postpartum deferral um, program now. That's super cool, especially because it is my favorite marathon. It is a local marathon to me. So it would kind of make sense to have as one coming back because um, I wouldn't actually have to travel anywhere. But anyway, that's, you know, besides the point. <laughs> but that was kind of like the loose plan. Um, I am someone who is very fortunate in that our plans did go exactly as planned. Um, technically, very technically, I was pregnant uh, when I ran the Boston Marathon. Um, and I did not know it yet, obviously. And um, more, you know, on that later, but I truly know that a lot goes into fertility besides just nutrition and lifestyle. <laughs> There's like, that's like a way oversimplification of it. But I can guarantee if my husband and I had like been trying to get pregnant when we were first married, um, or even first together, I know that my, like my cycles and my hormones were in a place that I don't think it would have worked out for us. Um, you know, as to plan, because there was a lot of room for improvement with my nutrition habits. I struggled with underfueling. I struggled with um, hypothalamic amenorrhea very briefly. I had come off the birth control pill many years ago. So again, I know that some of the timing of this also just had to do with more years of having really adequate nutrition, fueling practices, lifestyle choices, and recovery under my belt. And my hormones were in a very good place to go do the baby stuff. So um, I know that that, you know, again, is not always like a smooth roadmap for people. Um, but that's truly one of the reasons why I think for me personally, it did kind of work out so quickly. I don't think that would have worked out as quickly for me in the past. Um, just knowing some of my medical history. So, 
Um, that was really cool. And my last alcoholic drink um, for my Swifties out there was at the Taylor Swift concert in Atlanta, and I was sitting in seat 13, so pretty poetic. Um, technically was pregnant at a Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> um, so I think that means our child will be musical. Um, I don't know, you know, I can't say any research on that. If it exists, let me know, but, um, I'm hearing, you know, that they'll be a Swifty. So cool. <laughs> um, anyway, so that was great. And then basically I found out, you know, I kind of had a feeling <laughs> that I would be, um, and found out the first day that I could find out. And, Tess said pregnant right away. I was like, holy crap. Um, told my husband immediately. Did not capture any of that on video. I I love personally watching those videos of people telling their partners they're pregnant, but my husband and I like to keep some of our relationship off of social media. So um, you'll have to take my word for it. We were both really excited, um, really emotional. And then I went for a run, um, <laughs> as, as you do, you know? So um, that's kind of how that went. And honestly, for the first couple of weeks, I felt really good. I felt pretty normal. Um, my plan had been to run or walk the Mount Washington road race, um, about two months after the Boston marathon. And I had started training for that. My coach had been the one to connect me to get the bib for the race. And I told her I would love a bib. However, I cannot promise you that I won't be pregnant for this race. Do you think it's a good idea? You have kids, you tell me. And she kind of said, you know, it's, you never know if things are going to go to plan. It might be fun to have something on your schedule along the way just to make it, you know, less stressful. And I was like, I think that it's a great approach to that. So sign me up. Um, you know, worse come worse, I'm pregnant and maybe I can still walk or run up depending on how I feel. I never wanted to put pressure on myself to like race or run or get something done when I signed up, you know, to get pregnant. And that was going to be the plan for whenever that was going to happen for us. I always was of the mindset of like, if you can run and exercise and you feel good doing it, great. If you can't, it's okay. You're probably going to have to modify things eventually, you know, or just take a lot of extra rest. Um, again, I've known enough pregnant people to know that you don't really have control over that. <laughs> um, and that pretty much anything can go. I've known women and coached women who have run marathons throughout their pregnancy and felt totally great the whole time. And I've known people who have not run like a single step, um, you know, who are previously runners in their pregnancy because they felt so bad. Um, so I just didn't want to put any pressure on myself to do anything like that's just not my speed. So I was like, I'll have this race, but if I can't do it, not the end of the world. Um, and <laughs> so it ended up being that I felt pretty good until like week six, um, of being pregnant. And then basically I kind of started to feel really tired. Like it felt like running with an iron deficiency at altitude hungover and dehydrated after not sleeping and like no amount of electrolytes, sleep, food, not being at altitude, iron supplements could make that feel better. <laughs> um, if you've been pregnant before and you had a rough first, first trimester, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, just like fatigue that would not let up. Um, I was still able to go and exercise. Um, I felt it the most you know, while I was exercising and then I would feel pretty good, like at rest. So I just, again, modified a lot. I added in walk breaks. Um, and one of the biggest, like funniest differences is that I did like an uphill running workout that my coach had given me, I think at week five of pregnancy. And I had run like, just to put it into plain numbers, I think I ran 15% incline at like 10 minute pace. And my heart rate was like in the one twenties. And then I did the same workout a week later and I was running like I was walking like 14 minute pace at a 15% incline. And I think my heart rate was like 180. <laughs> so it kind of like flipped in a week where I was like, okay, we are pregnant. We are clearly um, putting some high stress on the body. I think it's time to chill out a little bit. Um, and I remember messaging her and being like, I think it's time to focus on like time on feet and not do workouts and just basically me show up when I can show up and not show up. If I can't show up, I'm probably going to end up walking this race. Is that allowed? You know, and if the weather's going to be really crappy or if anything else happens, I'm just not even going to do it. And she was like, that's you're, you're in good shape. That'll be fine. Um, and that was the plan. And I know that I had posted on social media, my reasoning for, 
ending up not doing the Mount Washington road race. And I want you guys to know that um, all of that was 100% true. <laughs> None of that was a lie. I did leave out the layer where I was pregnant and that was why I was feeling those things. Otherwise there was really no reason for me to feel like burnt out and tired. Um, so I decided not to run the Mount Washington road race and that was not my decision. <laughs> so now let's get into the rocky part so far of my pregnancy. So around week six, when I started not feeling great, um, I did have some spotting. Um, I wanted to let people know that because I'm sure so many other pregnant people <laughs> have had this happen before. And I feel like it's not really talked about. So you feel like, oh my God, something's wrong. Um, and sometimes it does mean something's wrong. And again, like my biggest anxiety um, that I wasn't really expecting like this to be so anxiety inducing for months when I first found out I was pregnant. But my biggest anxiety and fear was that, you know, I was going to lose the pregnancy and have a miscarriage. Basically, everyone I've known who's been pregnant has had a miscarriage. So it's something, again, that I'm very aware that happens. It's very common. Um, but it does kind of, you know, it's something that a lot of people worry about um, in their first trimester, especially because the risk is much higher. And you don't really you don't really have any signs yet that you're pregnant. You're not showing. You can't feel the baby moving. You haven't even really had an appointment yet. Um, so I did have that happen. Um, and I went to call my OBGYN practice, who typically don't do first like in-person appointments until 12 weeks. Um, and then they don't do an ultrasound until like 20 weeks just because they're more of a midwife, like holistic practice, a little bit more hands-off. Um and more on that later. And, um, they basically said, okay, you know, you got pregnant right after you ran, you know, around running a marathon. And also like, um, you know, you had this spotting episode, why don't you come in for an earlier ultrasound? And I was like, great. I wanted to do that anyway. Waiting until 12 weeks is like a really long time <laughs> to not see a doctor when you're newly pregnant and scared of miscarriage. Um, and not that there's really anything they can do about that. But I don't know, it seems reassuring to get at least proof that you're pregnant besides a pregnancy test. Um, and I went in and we did an ultrasound um, around eight weeks, nine weeks or so. And everything was great. Baby was fine. They were zooming around in there. You could see the heartbeat. Um, and that was really cool. It looked like a little gummy bear, like toad character from Mario Kart, <laughs> zooming around. Um, and they were like, no, everything looks great. Like spotting just happens in the first trimester. And I don't know, again, if people have been pregnant before and if you've had ultrasounds, a lot of the times people who do scans, like whether it's MRI, x-ray, ultrasound, they're not really like supposed to tell you what's going on. They're just supposed to take the pictures <laughs> essentially. And then the doctor is supposed to tell you what the pictures say. Um, so our sonographer was like, baby's good. Heartbeat is this. Also, you have placenta previa. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? She was like, well, someone will probably call you, but it's usually resolves. And I was like, oh, okay, no worries then. You know, we left that appointment and we were like peachy because everything was good. And then um, I went that weekend and I ran, I think, an eight mile long run. And it was like one of my first runs that I felt like myself again. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Like maybe, you know, I'm not going to get too much sicker, um, et cetera. And then I got a call from my my nurse, um, the one of the nurses at the practice the next day on a Monday. And she was like, so um, your ultrasound, your baby looks good, but you have placenta previa. And while a lot of the times this resolves, um, that does mean pelvic rest, no exercise, you're basically a fragile flower and can't do anything um, until it resolves or until you give birth, whichever comes first. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, and I had never even heard of this before because again, I don't think a lot of people talk about it. It's not super, um, it's not super uncommon, but it's also not something that, you know, I've just like heard a lot of other pregnant people talk about. Um, no one I had really known who was around my age had had that experience before. Um, now that I've started talking about it with other people who are like way older than me, like my parents age, they're like, oh yeah, I had that, you know. So <laughs> to define this for you, um, not that I'm an expert because I am not, but placenta previa basically means that your placenta, which is the organ 
that is responsible for nourishing and feeding your, you know, unborn baby um, as it grows in the uterus. It's supposed to attach um, to the side of the uterus or the top, um, but sometimes it attaches where it covers your cervix. So it's essentially covering your baby's exit. Um, if you were to go into labor, it could rupture and that can cause a lot of problems. So if you do have placenta previa um, in like your third trimester or going into you know the end of carrying to term, they do C-sections. They do not let you go into labor because it is it can be very dangerous. Um, so I didn't know anything about that until basically I was educated on it. And yeah, a lot of practices recommend like complete pelvic rest, no exercise, definitely no running, don't lift anything over 15, 20 pounds. And basically your only inkling that you're okay is that you don't start bleeding. And if you do start bleeding, it can be really serious emergency situation. Um, and my Midwife also told me it increases risk of miscarriage in the first trimester. So that like totally freaked me out, right? Because we went to check on the baby to make sure it was okay. We found out it was okay, but then also there was like an increased risk of miscarriage. So really, really rough day for me. Um, that was around, I think that was the Monday, the week of the Mount Washington road race. So I was like, all right, obviously definitely not doing this race now. That decision's been made for me. That's fine. You know, that's the least of my worries. Um, and I started doing some research, talking to my care team, just because I was like, Hey, some of the research I'm looking into says that placenta previa, um, like some practices don't put restrictions on people from, you know, exercise or pelvic rest standpoint until they're 20 weeks pregnant. Like I'm nine weeks pregnant. So, but I'm still on restrictions. And they were like, yes, Holly, you're on restrictions. And I was like, okay, cool. Can I do the elliptical? And they were like, absolutely not. I was like, can I swim? And they were like, absolutely not. I was like, can I walk? And they were like, yes, you can walk. Don't be an idiot, <laughs> basically. And I was like, okay, I can walk. That's good. Um, and then I started looking into it more. And basically my practice told me placenta previa, um, where it's covering the cervix, it usually corrects itself in that as your uterus grows, as your baby grows, if you think of like a balloon becoming inflated. Um, if you put like a Sharpie dot on the side of the bottom of the balloon, as you inflate it, that dot will kind of move up the balloon. And that's what happens to the placenta. It typically does move like away from the cervix as, you know, things are improving and progressing. And then it, there's no problem anymore. <laughs> so um, that was really reassuring that at least it could correct correct itself. Um, mine was also a complete previa. So if you know this type of lingo, if this has happened to you before, that means it was like completely covering. Some people have partial previas where it's only partially covering. And some people just have low-lying placentas, which means it's too close for comfort, <laughs> basically, to the opening. Um, and I was like, okay. You know, I think they were being so conservative with me over the phone um, before I really came in and saw a doctor, even though I had had an ultrasound because I had had the spotting. Um, so they were thinking maybe they were related and they wanted just to be extra cautious with me knowing how active I am. So I was like, okay, I will walk. <laughs> um, so I walked for probably um, three to six miles every day. A lot of the times it was like broken up over the course of the day. Um, I felt really great to be honest. Like as soon as I stopped running, I got way more energy back. Like I stopped feeling so tired. I definitely was still nauseous and had some morning sickness all day long. Um, honestly, I think a lot of that had to do with just still being out of whack with our kitchen renovations happening. We didn't have a kitchen that was functioning for like at least two months. Um, and it was my first trimester for basically, I, found, I think I found out I was pregnant. And then that week they, you know, came and ripped everything out of our kitchen. So um, that did not help my nausea. Um, and just being really stressed out about that happening, about the placenta issue. And also they were just destroying the road on at my house because they were putting in new water and gas lines for those two or three months as well. So like we were in a really weird place where I was really tired and not super functional and trying to work 
I ha- we had to get up and move the cars and contractors would come to work on the house. So we couldn't really be in the house. I definitely couldn't be in the house because it was so loud, um, you know, let alone just stuff being in the air and me being pregnant. Um, so I would go to my parents' house to work, which is a blessing that that exists as an option for me. Um, but you know, you're not in your own space. You're not in your own schedule. Everything's different. (laughs) Basically everything was different for like two months. Um, so that was just kind of like a very stressful period of time. So hearing that news that, you know, Hey, you, you can't run anymore. Um, and my practice made it seem like, yes, this will probably resolve, but at minimum, it probably won't be until the third trimester. Um, that was really hard for me to hear at first. You know, again, I had signed up to be pregnant. I had expected to have to stop or modify exercise and my lifestyle at some point, um, just because I'm realistic and I know that that happens in pregnancy. So I was very much okay with that. I did not think it would be like cold Turkey without warning at week eight. (laughs) Um, you know, that to me with like a finish line, that was like, like next year, basically. So that was really hard for me to hear. Um, And I probably was as upset and out of sorts about that as you would think I would be for two weeks. And then I truly was fine and I accepted it. I think a lot of the messaging um, around women and exercise and pregnancy or just pregnant people and exercise for so long was like, you're a fragile daisy, don't do anything. Like, you're a sitting duck, you know, you, you have a disability almost. Um, and now, you know, the, the script has really been flipped to the opposite, which is, I think, really great. And again, has really good intentions. So it's typically like, you know, you're really tough. Your body's capable of doing this. Like you can exercise whatever you were doing before you were pregnant. You were, you can still keep doing it while you're pregnant. And I do think that messaging is really helpful um, because it does, you know, have the intention, I think, of empowering pregnant people to, you know, have that part of their identity, um, to do health promoting movement, it can definitely help with labor. And again, I think that's super helpful whenever, you know, I see other runners, a lot of other runners right now in my space who are pregnant, even other dietitians who run who are pregnant, you know, if I see them out running, you know, half marathons at, you know, 28 weeks pregnant, I'm like, that's awesome, like, good for them. And I really wish that could be me. And I don't really relate to that message because I medically am not allowed to. Um, So I just wanted to draw some light on that because I think, again, when you get pregnant, um, you really don't have that much control. So having an open mind about movement and having a flexible plan, I think is really helpful. If you feel good and you were able to do, you know, exercise and you had been in shape, um, you know, to train or do, you know, lifting or running or whatever it is you love to do before you got pregnant. Yeah. Like if you have an open mind and you feel good, go do that stuff, listen to your body. Um, but if for some reason you can't like, don't beat yourself up for not being that pregnant runner who's running, you know, a marathon in their second trimester, (laughs) like don't beat yourself up about that. That is just not your journey. And that is okay. You will get back out there and your body is doing what it's supposed to do. Um, So I just wanted to draw some light on that as well. Kind of starting to wrap my head around that while I was going through that was really helpful for me. um, Because again, it just wasn't really what I expected. I had kind of like expected to be active in my pregnancy. I'd wanted that. I kind of knew that I had to have an open mind about that because again, I've known so many pregnant people who have been like put on bed rest in their second trimester um, or, you know, had high risk conditions where they, they couldn't do those things, even though they were athletes. Um, so that's just something I wanted to mention as well, in case anyone else can relate to that. And I want to get into the ad for this episode and the sponsor, which is BetterHelp, because that is why they're sponsoring this podcast, friends. I use BetterHelp. Um, I started using them when I found out this news. I could kind of feel myself on the edge of anxiety taking over, and that really kind of pushed me closer to or off the edge. And I knew that therapy has been something (laughs) that um, has helped me so much in the past and that this would be just a really good option um, for me to use, a tool for me to use so that I could kind of compartmentalize this a little bit better and not have it just take over my emotions for the whole day when I still had work to do. 
I had to talk to people about their miscarriages that they were having. I had to talk to people about um, their fertility struggles that they were having, their period struggles. Um, you know, my work involves people's health and I don't take that lightly. So I needed to be in a place where I could hold that space for them. And that means having someone else to hold the space for me, right? So a bit of what getting myself started with BetterHelp looked like. Um, one, one of my friends had done it. Several of my clients had done it came highly re recommended. So I got the phone call that, you know, I was basically a sitting duck and just had to wait and see um, for this to go, this placenta issue to go away. They told me you need to go to the hospital right now to get your blood work done because we need your blood type in case you start hemorrhaging so that we can give you blood infusion. So that was, that was fun news to hear. Um, and, you know, three, you can't this is all the anxiety we're putting on you and you can't do the thing that you used to do to manage it. And also there's more anxiety because your house is like under siege with contractors and road construction galore. <laughs> so um, basically that day I, you know, went and got blood work done. I remember I went to the hospital, I got blood work done. Um, I canceled my running coach. I canceled my, my physical therapist. Cause both of them, you know, were very supportive and they were like, Oh, that stinks. Like, um, you know, we definitely want to make sure you're listening to your doctor. Um, so we probably can't help you right now. And that's totally fine. You know, let us know how we can support you. They're both amazing people. And I still talk to them and give them updates. <laughs> um, so I canceled them and I hired a, you know, a head, a head therapist. <laughs> I'm an actual therapist instead. Um, and continued my singing lessons, continued reading. I was really thankful that I practice what I preach and one got in to take care of my mental health early because it really paid off. And two had these non-exercise related coping strategies that I truly love that truly made this less of a big deal. I remember my singing teacher, <laughs> I love him, um, telling me, oh, like, you know, congrats, you know, it's great. You're pregnant. I've coached a lot of pregnant people before. He was like, if it comes to the point where you're on bed rest, because he actually had been on bed rest for like a really serious leg injury for a long time. And that's how he got into playing the guitar and singing more. He was like, if you're on bed rest, we'll get you a ukulele and we'll do Zoom lessons and it'll be great. He like gave me something to look forward to if like the worst were to happen. Because if you do have placenta previa and you do start bleeding, you're on bed rest until you give birth basically. Um, so that was a fear for me as well. And that just, I don't know, that was comforting. So, um, I was really glad that I practice what I preach, um, and had those coping mechanisms, but back to better help. You know, I went to the hospital, um, got in line to get blood work done. I, I signed up for better help basically. Um, which was super easy. And by the time my blood was taken and I went back to my car, I was assigned a therapist and I had a first appointment set up for that week. I think it was the next day. So fast, so fast. Name another healthcare situation where something has happened that quickly. Um, that wasn't like an emergent situation. Um, I was just really impressed by how quick it was, um, how seamless it was. It's not something that's covered by insurance, but you can pay with HSA or FSA. And I think you can get it reimbursed for insurance. Um, but anyway, it was just something that I found so helpful. Um, I love my therapist. You can switch therapists without any questions if you need to, but I ended up really loving my therapist right away. Um, and that was a tool that was absolutely <laughs> imperative to me being okay with my situation very quickly. Um, as someone who knows, you know, I've been to see therapy in the past and it's been super helpful. So again, take the stigma out of therapy, take care of your mental health, do it quickly. No one else is going to do it for you. Um, and use better help because it's really quick. It's very easy and you can save 10% on your first month of therapy, um, by using the discount link in my show notes. So, make sure you go check that out. It's truly really helpful and amazing. And I wish you the best on your mental health journey. Another like reason I knew that my anxiety around pregnancy would probably build up at some point, um, you know, is that a lot of people may not know this about me and I don't want to get too much into this because it's not my story to tell. Um, but my mom who I love, um, and is doing great and is a huge support for me, um, 
did get diagnosed with breast cancer when she was pregnant with me at 30 years old. Um, I'm 29. I'm pregnant with my first kid. <laughs> like it just kind of hits home. Um, and breast cancer has been a big part of my family's life because of this. Um, my mom had the BRCA genes. I was tested in high school and I do not have the BRCA genes. Um, but you know, while I knew that I was lower risk than my mom was, um, that still definitely still stirs up some anxiety for me over just, again, not wanting the worst case scenario to happen. Um, my mom's a champ and she's doing great. Um, but that was definitely there as well. So again, if you've had like other people in your life who have had higher risk conditions or weird things happen to them when they're pregnant, um, that can definitely be triggering too when it, you know, when you kind of are in that place or at that age that they were at when it happened. So that was another reason why I thought seeing a therapist would be a good idea just to process that, get that out there and hopefully eliminate the fear because it was just my brain, you know, playing tricks on me because of something that had happened to my mom. Um, when in reality, logically it, you know, probably won't happen to me. <laughs> um, but that was there too. So basically that was like the most dramatic thing that happened <laughs> in my first trimester. Um, and in hindsight, it was a big deal and it wasn't at the same time. Um, it's so funny whenever you do or go through things that are hard to you, you kind of increase your capacity to do hard things in the future. So I remember thinking like in that moment, I don't know if I'm ever going to do this again. This seems like overrated. I got bamboozled. Like no one's talked about this before. You know, this is just not what I expected. And I kind of expected something to happen, but like not really this. Um, and again, it, it just now to me, I'm like, oh, you know, it's okay. Um, so the other dramatic thing that I guess that happened in my first trimester was I did try to go to a friend. Um, she's another dietitian, actually. I tried to go to her bachelorette party in Nashville um, around eight weeks. And I had noticed like on days that I was really busy and distracted at work, like I tend I tended to feel a lot better from like a nausea and fatigue standpoint. Um, so I kind of had the high hopes of like, well, I can go to this bachelorette party. You know, I'm obviously not going to party and drink a lot. And if I get really tired, everyone's adults, they won't mind if I just go back to the room early, <laughs> I can go to bed. Um, you know, I can bring snacks, I can kind of do my thing and hope for the best and try not to be, you know, like a um, burden on this group. So <laughs> I went, um, went to Nashville, I got there, I got to the house and I got so, so sick, so sick. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, and I I bought a flight and left and went home. So I was there for 10 hours. I was sick the whole time. I had gone through my entire weekend's worth of animal crackers that were supposed to last me the whole weekend to be like my anti-nausea, fill in the gaps, animal crackers. I went through those in like an hour, which is a lot of animal crackers. Um, it didn't help. And yeah, I ended up coming home. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself and just like laughing and telling my husband, I was like, I am not the captain anymore. I am not in charge. Got it. Like, this is going to be a whole thing. And my biggest fear was like being in a new place and ending up being someone who like needed IV fluids because they couldn't stop throwing up. And I didn't want to like, again, be a burden on this person's bachelorette party. Uh, I was super embarrassed, even though they were amazing about it. Um, cause they're adults and they're healthcare professionals and they get it. But I was like, wow, that did not go how I planned. Um, so I am just going to remove myself from the situation, which I did. It was not fun. Um, and I actually got home and then I did get a fever and like got actually sick. Like, I think I had a sinus infection. Um, so I don't, that was like the worst two weeks of nausea that I had. And then the following week I ended up with placenta previa diagnosis and everything changed. Um, but I don't know. I truly don't know if it was just pregnancy or if it was like pregnancy combined with getting sick. Like I don't really know, but that was like the most dramatic thing that happened again. Otherwise, like I would say my nausea morning sickness, like it really wasn't that bad. You know, if I ate every two hours, I was in better shape. I definitely like survived on bagels and simple carbohydrates and things that I tell people to eat when they're pregnant and experiencing this. I know what I learned as a dietitian um, and what some other dietitians um, have told me to tell people is like, you know, emphasize all the blogs. So when you read all the blog posts and articles about what to do with your nutrition when you're pregnant, it's like, 
eat healthy foods, <laughs> eat nutrient dense foods. And I've always found that really funny because I'm like, have you ever tried to eat those foods when you're nauseous? Like it doesn't work out. <laughs> um, like I just know that from being an athlete, I think, and being sick in the past and having common sense. So I've never put that pressure on other pregnant people um, and definitely didn't put it on myself. I was like, you know, existing off of bagels and cream cheese, sometimes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, smoothies from our local juicery, which basically has kept my husband and I alive through our kitchen renovation, and we've kept them in business. Um, they should sponsor this podcast. And like graham crackers and random carby things. Like what if I got spinach in my smoothie or if I was able to eat like baby carrots with my cheese and crackers or bagel, I was like, don't want to brag, but I had vegetables today <laughs> to my husband. So, um, first trimester looked like a lot of tan foods, um, and just survival and no protein at all whatsoever. Um, which again, I was expecting. That was not a surprise to me. I was anticipating that. I kept pretzels by my bedside so that I could eat them right when I woke up, just like I tell my clients to do. And then it would really help me not be so nauseous. I pounded a lot of electrolytes, um, a lot of scratch, liquid IV element every single day, even though I wasn't really training or sweating that much. Super important to be hydrated from both fluid and electrolytes when you're pregnant. I will do a whole episode on pregnancy nutrition and my take on it, especially through the lens of endurance athletes. Um, cause it's something I get asked about a lot and just haven't done yet. So more on that later, but, um, that's kind of what my first trimester looked like. I mean, honestly, like besides the, dr the drama of my placenta previa diagnosis and like the anxiety around what that could potentially mean. Um, I did good. Like I was fine. Like I got outside. I honestly was walking pretty much the same mileage that I was running, but you know, like before, um, like not in training or anything, but when I had started running after just recovering from the Boston marathon, like I was probably walking, three to six miles every day. Um, I still was doing some very modified strength workouts after seeing my doctor at our 12 week appointment and getting a little bit more clarity on what mild to moderate exercise means, which is what they tell you to do when you have placenta previa. She basically said, no one is comfortable defining what this is. If you've exercised more in the past, um, you typically can get away with a little bit more, but we want to be super cautious with you because you had, you know, symptoms. Um, and she was also very confident that it would correct itself before birth. Um, which was really good to hear. Really like my doctor. I was glad when I finally got to see her in person, we heard the heartbeat. Um, so after chatting with her, I kind of, um, and my husband was really good at kind of being like the bad cop in that. And I mean that in a loving endearing way and that he knows me. And he was like, no, no, the doctor will know everything you've been doing and we will get clarity on what you are and are not allowed to do because, you know, I don't want you to do anything you're not supposed to do just because you think you can. And also I want you to be able to do something for your sanity. Um, so he kind of helped clarify what I had been doing, which was walking like, you know, basically an hour or two every day sometimes in divided doses, depending on how I felt, and also doing four strength workouts per week that were very modified based off of what I had researched on placenta previa, which was don't do anything, you know, um, with a ton of hip flexion, avoid long holds with like orthostatic pressure, um, and don't bear down, don't lift anything over like 15, 20 pounds. So again, listen to your physician. That's kind of what I found in some of my research and put together for myself as a personal trainer um, after talking to some pelvic health uh, professionals. And the doctor was cool with that. She was like, that sounds great. You haven't had any symptoms. Keep doing that until, you know, we say otherwise. If you feel like anything changes, stop immediately. And she also gave me the permission um, to incorporate some swimming, some light lap swimming um, if I wanted to which I had asked her about and I had thought originally I would do because, you know, it's another way to exercise that's not walking. But honestly, our pool just like wasn't open when I was going to go swim and I didn't feel like bending over backwards to go swim just to say that I did. So I just walked. <laughs> it was fine. Again, I was seeing therapy. I was singing and playing the piano and working and doing things that I love to do that don't involve exercise. So I was 
perfectly happy with that routine, truly um, had accepted it and felt good about it and known that I would get back out there eventually with everyone else and that I should just enjoy this time of general fitness. Um, So that's kind of what my first trimester looked like. Some drama, but really in the grand scheme of things, it was, it was good. It was okay. (laughs) Um, our genetic test came back good. That was helpful. And if you haven't gathered so far, we are not finding out the sex of the baby until, uh, basically everyone else does when it's born. So, um, that was something that I had always wanted to do. My parents had done that with me. Um, my husband didn't really care either way. If I wanted to find out, I think he would have liked that, but he was also supportive (laughs) in wanting to be surprised. Um, and also to be honest, I didn't want all of the blue or pink gendered stuff like cluttering my house. And if people wanted to get me things, I wanted it to be stuff that I actually needed. Um, which I know is very selfish, but that's just how I felt. So that was our decision. And like I said, pretty much all my friends are pregnant right now. Like I have five or six friends who I talk to every day that are pregnant right now. Um, and they were all finding out the sexes of their babies. So I just was living vicariously through them and buying them things, (laughs) um, instead. So that's kind of how first trimester went. So again, at this point, I'm like walking every day. I'm outside. I'm strength training four times a week enough to feel like I'm not losing function in my body. Um, and I can still do it for mental health reasons. But, um, the biggest thing for me that I knew was just a sign of growth is that not being able to exercise to me, like body composition changes during pregnancy with or without exercise, like really did not scare me that much. There was a time where that was not true. (laughs) Um, But I've done a lot of work on myself since to have tools to grapple with those thoughts when they do come up. And also to have realistic expectations, um, which is really no expectation (laughs) of what's going to happen. So losing the ability to exercise at the level that I had exercised, like it really didn't scare me that much from like a, how is this going to affect my body composition standpoint? I knew it would be temporary. I knew that my body was doing this really cool, hard thing that it's never done before. Um, and that I could just give myself grace in doing that. Um, what scared me the most is that I've worked with so many runners who have had kids and running is a very high intensity sport. I used to ride horses. That's also a very high intensity sport in terms of your pelvic health. Um, So I really wanted to like, I had, I had really big grand plans of like seeing a pelvic floor PT because that's something that I have access to early so that I could just take care of everything in terms of functionality to set myself up for a successful labor and birth, whether that was via C-section, like it would have been if I had placenta previa or not. Um, And that was something that when that was taken away, I was real bummed about that. (laughs) Um, my doctor told me flat out not to see pelvic floor PT because they would ask to be cleared for a pelvic exam. And my doctor wouldn't clear me for one because of the placenta previa. Um, so that was a bummer. So my biggest thing with like holding on to some sort of movement was honestly just to maintain a little bit of function so that I wasn't essentially atrophying everything that I had worked to build up from like my just back issues that I've had and hip issues that I've had to take care of my pelvic health for like getting through labor and delivery and setting myself up for success as much as I knew that I could. Cause again, no expectations. Um, so that was kind of my main purpose for wanting to continue strength training in a very modified way. Um, which again, they were okay with, which was good. So it also didn't make sense to me to basically let everything atrophy as my baby was getting heavier and sitting on the placenta. Like it didn't make sense for things to like get weaker when we were trying to prevent that from happening. So like bleeding wouldn't start. So anyway, um, I was excited that I was still able to do that. Um, and then my 15 week ultrasound came around and I was really excited that my doctor basically let us schedule this. Um, typically they didn't want me to, they weren't going to have me do another ultrasound from I think eight weeks to 20 weeks. (laughs) They were going to make me wait a really long time just to like check on things. Um, 
And my doctor was like, look, let's do one earlier for your own mental sanity. I don't really know if it will have moved by then. Um, and we won't really be able to tell you if it's moved by a certain amount by then, unless it's resolved, but let's just do it. Um, and I was really grateful for that. I was like, thank you. I would love the check-in point. It's another excuse just to see my baby and make sure everything's okay for my mental sanity. Um, so we did that the day before my birthday. <laughs> um, and I was not expecting this. I was expecting to walk in there, do the ultrasound and have them be like, nothing's changed. Sorry, you're still on pelvic rest, but your baby's good. Like that's what I was expecting them. Cause basically I didn't really feel any different. I honestly hadn't gained weight or started showing between eight weeks and 16 weeks. Like nothing had really changed. I was trying to, um, more on that later. Um, but I kind of was like, well, if they're giving me the balloon analogy, like I feel like the balloon hasn't really gotten any more inflated. So I can't see how this would have changed. I was very okay with that. Like I had a good system in place. I truly was like, this is what's going to happen. And that is okay. I really like my routine right now and things are going good. And I feel really good. Like I felt great. Um, so <laughs> when I went in and they were like, your placenta previa completely resolved to you're good. No restrictions. I was like, um, what? <laughs> Honestly, it totally took my husband and I both by such surprise. Um, that one our baby was healthy, super cool to see the growth there. Um, everything was great with that. And two, that it had totally resolved, like got like not even low lying anymore. Like it was resolved. Um, that was really crazy and unexpected. They were like, do you have any questions? I was like, not anymore. Like, can I run? Can I like, I'm not on pelvic rest anymore. And they were like, nope, you're good. Um, so happy birthday to me. Thank you, child. Um, so that, that was really, really cool. Um, to be honest, again, I want to be honest with this and this isn't me complaining or, um, like looking for sympathy, but I'm hope I know other people who are pregnant have to be thinking this at some point. Um, there was a lot of like in the first two weeks that I found out I was on pelvic rest of like a bit of resentment, <laughs> around being pregnant and therefore like to my unborn child of like, wow, I knew everything was going to change, but really everything is changing and I have absolutely no control over it. And this is like, just like my emotional response, but I worked through and totally got over. Um, but it was really hard for me for those like couple weeks to be excited about being pregnant. Cause I was so nervous one that I was going to have a miscarriage cause they put that fear in me. And two, I was grappling with like my loss of identity <laughs> essentially and trying to cling to a new one that I was supposed to be excited about. Um, and I know I'm not the only person to feel that way, but this appointment really helped me be excited again. Um, and even if it had gone where they said nothing changed and you're still a sitting duck, I would have still, I would have been very excited. Um, and again, I owe a lot of that to better help. Um, and that was really cool. Um, so being the personal trainer that I am, I, and the dietitian, I, you know, came home and was like, my husband was like, are you going to go for a run? And I was like, honestly, no, I went for a walk this morning and like, I feel pretty tired. So no, like I'm not going to go for a run just because I can. Um, but I am going to make a plan because I don't want to be an idiot and do too much too soon, especially with some body changes. Um, and you know, I've had seven weeks off of running and, I want to be smart about this, that I don't come back too quickly and that I'm still extremely flexible if I need more time off or to do something more low impact. So I did that. I made a plan and my return to run has been very smooth so far. Humbling, very humbling. Um, but honestly, a lot of it is still there. Like I feel like if I just had six or seven weeks off and I wasn't pregnant, it would, it would come back a lot sooner, but because you know, my body's creating a human. Um, yeah, like I go for three mile runs at the, like even slower than what my easy pace used to be. And my watch tells me it was a tempo run. <laughs> so, um, that's a thing and it's great. And honestly, when I go out for a run, I have a smile plastered to my face the whole time. Cause I just can't really believe that I'm allowed to do it. Um, very cool. And it's just nice also to not feel like there's that high risk situation 
Um, and part of me knows that this is like a false sense of security. <laughs> like I very much am like, let's just enjoy this um, until our next appointment. And they could tell you something else that you don't want to hear and letting myself stay present and use my tools to cope with that. But that was really cool. Um, I am lifting heavier again, progressing my strength. That was something that was pretty easy because I had been diligently lifting in a very modified way. Um, I had been doing basically five or six sets instead of three or four with light to no weight. Again, very modified ranges of motion, not doing certain exercises. Um, and basically doing two upper body sessions and two lower body sessions per week. Um, and I was able to just upscale that, add in running. My appetite's so much better <laughs> than it was in my first trimester. And we have our kitchen back now. It's still not done, but it's functional. That's been really helpful. Um, so that's kind of where I am at now. <laughs> um, I'm basically running three or four times per week, like one to four miles per run. At the time you're hearing this podcast recording, I'm incorporating walk breaks when I need to, um, which honestly are happening automatically because I have to pee when I run because I'm pregnant and that's what I do now. <laughs> um, I am strength training three or four times a week we're walking, we're taking extra days off. Like I have no expectations. I'm just so thrilled to be able to do anything. Um, and I feel really, really good. Like I truly feel really good. Um, and very lucky <laughs> that I feel so good, even though there were some mental health challenges along the way that I did not foresee coming. Um, but that's where I'm at now. Now I want to talk a little bit about some of the body comments. Um, <laughs> I could probably do a whole podcast episode on this. When you get pregnant, I knew this already because I've witnessed it. Uh, I've probably, you know, done it to people myself just when I was younger and didn't know any better. The body comments. Wow. Um, when you get pregnant, it's like, it's like a, it's like the wild west. Like people, people just feel that they now can say whatever they want to say about your body. It's really wild or touch your body. Like when they wouldn't have even thought to do that before. Um, that's been interesting. That was something that again, I very much knew was going to happen um, because I work on body image with people. I'm very aware of it. And it always makes my eye twitch when people make comments about other people's bodies, even if they're well-intentioned. Um, so I know a lot of the times comments people hear when they're pregnant are like, oh, you must be about to pop them any day. Like, what do you do? And that person might be doing like four or five months and they're not even close to having a baby. Like, that might make them feel like they're gaining too much weight or that they're getting too big and that's bad. Um, or that, yeah, they are kind of feeling like the finish line's really far away and you just rubbed it in that it is really far away. <laughs> um, that's a comment people get a lot. I know a lot of people feel uncomfortable in their bodies as they're changing. Um, that's definitely something that I've heard from a lot of my friends and other people I've known to be pregnant before. Um, my thing is that, when I buy clothes that fit, that totally goes away for me. Um, when you're trying to squeeze into your, you know, clothes that you fit in before you were pregnant and you're pregnant and they're tight or they're just not fitting you right or they're hitting your belly where you like don't want to be touched. <laughs> like it's just not a good feeling. And when you buy clothes that fit, that that for me goes away personally. Um, so that's just a tool that I've used myself and encouraged others to use as well. Um, also, the one that I've actually been getting <laughs> um, a lot, which I think, again, I'm. Uh, this is my experience. I know I'm not the only person who's gotten this feedback before, um, that I think a lot of the times is meant to be well-meaning. Um, is like, you don't even look pregnant. <laughs> um, and honestly, it's something that I've used to my advantage because I didn't really tell the world until I was almost halfway done being pregnant. Um, but that's a comment that I have been getting a lot. And let me tell you, that one does not feel good either. Um, and I know a lot of it's well-meaning, like, oh, you're so thin. You're, you don't even look pregnant. Like, I think it's coming from that own person's experience of what they felt when they were pregnant or what they've been told by society is a good thing, which is that thinness is always a good thing. Um, and it, that makes a person feel like they're not doing something right. Like their baby's not growing adequately. Like, you know, for me, I was so worried about being high risk and miscarrying and not having a healthy child this whole time that that just, that's like, 
that's like a big insult <laughs> when people tell me that. Um, and I know they don't mean it and, and it's fine. And it's something that I've kind of learned has affected me this way. Um, so that can be not a helpful one either. And I know some people also mean it like, oh, like, you know, it's, it's, again, they're putting their own experience onto another person and it comes almost out of like a, a worrisome fear. Like, oh, you don't even look pregnant. Are you okay? Should you be eating more? Um, and it's almost shaming. And again, not helpful. People's pregnant bodies are going to do what they are going to do. Um, that is what I've definitely learned just working with a ton of pregnant people over the course of my career. Um, some people gain way more weight than what's recommended. Some people gain, you know, just about or a little bit less of the weight that, than what's recommended and have perfectly healthy babies and perfectly healthy lives all around in the postpartum period. So you really don't have much control over any of that. Um, for me, I was always nervous about not personally like gaining enough weight because my appetite went away. I was really stressed out. Um, I wasn't exercising like I normally would. Like I just didn't really know what my body would do. Um, so I mean, again, just to put it into perspective, like when we had our ultrasound, um, at 15 weeks, you know, I had been told by so many people, oh, you don't even look pregnant. Um, or like, is there even a baby in there? Like all those comments, um, that made me really worry that maybe it wasn't growing like it should be growing or something was wrong. Um, and we had our ultrasound and my, my child is measuring, um, in the 85th percentile. So somehow it's large, um, even though no one can see it. So again, really helpful to have those check-in points, in my opinion, if you're nervous and unsure. <laughs> um, and also just don't comment on people's bodies. Don't comment on pregnant people's bodies. Tell them that they are doing an amazing thing and ask them how they are doing. Um, and they'll tell you how they're doing. They'll tell you if they're terrible. <laughs> they'll tell you if they're great, um, what they need, you know, ask them how you can help if that's something you have the space for. But anyway, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that because I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, but anyway, th this has been lengthy and rambly and me dumping so much information into a podcast episode. Hopefully it's cohesive and makes some sense and that you guys enjoyed this life update. Um, again, I do plan to continue talking about pregnancy and motherhood and postpartum and the pelvic floor and delivery and babies and kid nutrition and all that good stuff. It's not my specialty. So it's not going to be the main flavor of what we're talking about. We have some really cool podcast episodes coming in the fall um, that I think you guys are going to really enjoy that have all things to do with running and body image and sports nutrition and how to prepare you for fall races, um, how to recover from injury and so much more as I know more about what maternity leave is going to look like as an entrepreneur. Um, I'll put that out there too. I'm still kind of figuring that out. Um, I'm really lucky. I'm in a place where um, my business is doing great and I will be able to figure that out. Um, and that was, again, kind of a goal around the timing process of this whole thing. Um, and as we know more just about baby and how that's all going too, try to keep you guys posted to my comfort level. I appreciate you all respecting my privacy. I also really appreciate the connections <laughs> that we have made um, through this journey. And I really hope that me talking about like my experience with placenta previa and my experience with anxiety and my experience going to therapy and my experience with the first and second trimesters and exercise during pregnancy thus far has been helpful, maybe relatable, just so you feel a little bit less lonely. Um, some of the resources that I have been loving so far that I have always referred people to um, are the Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Merton. Um, her 40 Weeks Podcast is cute too. It's just like a little five-minute episode every you know new week of pregnancy to tell you some little tidbits. It's just like a fun thing to look forward to to start the week. Um, I also really like the Ovia app um, or Ovia. I don't know how you say it. O-V-I-A um, app. The Bump app are, is really good too. There's a ton of information on there about pregnancy and just how things progress and like what to expect in your appointments. And again, take it all with a grain of salt. You're the only person experiencing what you're experiencing. 
uh, uniquely, but that can kind of help you understand what the heck is happening or supposed to happen um, and what to do if something is not what you think it should be. And um, I also really love the Is It Normal podcast. Um, That's been super hilarious to listen to. Um, They talk about exactly what you think they talk about. Are these weird random symptoms normal during pregnancy? That's been a fun one. Um, And I think I think those are, yeah, those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. If you're pregnant or if you're just looking for resources, maybe for someone else who is pregnant. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I got for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening um, to my ramblings. And I can't even blame it on Pregnancy Brain because I know I've had other episodes like this too. <laughs> but until next time, happy running because we can. And if you can't right now, that is okay too. You will be able to. Um, and I am here to listen in case you need someone's ear. Um, and I'll see you next time.